everyone. Uh, welcome to another broadcast of Magazine 3 ArtPod. Uh, I'm here with my dear friends, uh, Bella Rune. Hello, Bella. Hello, David. And with my dear friend, Mr. Ronald Jones. Hello, David. Hello. Uh, by now, we know the concept. Um, three people, three questions. And uh, we will also hear a voice of a fourth person today. Uh, which we will introduce in the middle of the program. Mm. Uh, what I wanted to start with, and it seems almost that this is a... Uh, you have to apologize. I have to apologize to you, Bella, because this seems almost like a, a question directed <laughs> to Ron, but it's not, because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's about change. And it's mm. about the fact what makes art critics revise their opinions. Some mind-changing critics explain. And this is an article that was in, in Art News and it was picked up by New York Times and so on. And it really um, has its starting point uh, with the American critic Peter Scheldahl. Uh, he has some uh, Norwegian heritage. And he had been for years looking at this wonderful painting by uh, Gustav Klimt, uh, which was a portrait of uh, Adele Blochbauer. Yep. And uh, and after looking at this masterpiece, and I think we all know which painting it is, it's mm, a lot of gold and it's this portrait, he came up with uh, an idea that he just didn't like it. And, uh, and then when you start to read about uh, the critics historically, uh, from Clement Greenberg to, to uh, Michael uh, Branson and, and others, you realize that that uh, kind of an immediate response once in a while uh, can be negative and at the same time uh, something that is massively positive can change and uh, and this article also brings up the issues how is it in 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 politics basically if you would do something like this the fact that you can change opinion uh, and i think it's it's it is of course uh, this article starts from the critics point of view uh, but I'm just, <laughs> we are all human beings, so we can all change our opinion about a lot of things. But um, do you have any thoughts about this, Ron? I mean, um, have you ever changed your opinion? Oh, yeah. And, and, and um, this has got to be 15, 20 years ago, I did a panel at SVA, School of Visual Arts in New York, that Peter was on. And the and it was Peter Roberta Smith. I mean the the acting art critic crowd at the time, mm -hmm. and still uh, in New York City. And it, and it, the title of the panel was, "Do we really still mean what we said?" And I went mm. back and picked out points of view from different reviews and asked them to look at that again. And they were all quite defensive about changing their. It was almost like a cross examination. Well, you said this in this review, but now you've come back and said that in another review. Um, and uh, a te technique that my older brother, the lawyer, likes to use in the courtroom. Are you lying to me now or are you lying to me then? <laughs> and, um, and, and, but I think that artists, uh, critics, all should have a right to change their opinion. And I also think you know, people mature over time. Mm -hmm. You see more, you experience more, and you see that certain things that seem valuable, especially early mm -hmm. in life, probably are less valuable as you move forward. Mm -hmm. Bella. But there's something also with the, the difference between liking and kind of acknowledging some other kind of quality mm. that I can I can see a change going on. But when it's more kind of maybe fundamental things, 
that uh, it's, uh, maybe people don't change so much, but with the likes on another level, or like with a deeper understanding, as you said, yeah. or <laughs> maybe a lack of, of I think that when you see Monty Python as a three-year-old or as a 20-year-old, as a 40-year-old, it's very different, for example. Mm. Yeah. Parrot there is no more means something else. <laughs> I think that uh, also what Michael Branson said, which I, which actually what's what you are talking about, Bella. He says to me there is a difference between a reaction and a response, mm. and uh, and I think uh, the fact uh, that if you if we go back to this Klimt painting, which ha- hangs in actually in New York City, in 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 a Neue Gallery. Se- right, in a semi-private museum called Neue Gallery, which was founded by one of the heirs of the Estee Lauder uh, cosmetic fortune. Um, it is also about the context, right? I mean, when you see something for mm. the very first time in, in, an, in an avant-garde gallery or in a scene, it kind of makes sense. And then it's being moved and transformed into a setting uh, where where sometimes the monetary aspects kind of change the whole mm-hmm. charge about mm-hmm. it yeah. and uh, and i think to some extent i think this is what peter is reacting to uh, the fact that this klimt painting is now uh, had a had a price tag of 135 million dollars in 2006 yeah. mm-hmm. and and then he looks at it and uh, As Donald Cuspit, another friend of yours, Ron, and also a, a critic, talks about Peter, and he says, "Well, I don't think it's it's a very kind of thought through opinion. Uh, maybe he should start by saying he should compare it to other works mm. by Klimt, mm, yeah. exactly, and mm. and and that's yeah. maybe one mm. of the, yeah. the the key issues, uh, whether you can say that something is is good in one's oeuvre or is mm. one's production." Mm. Well, I, I think, you know, and if he was here, I don't think he would argue with this. Peter's always been allergic to the money market side of the business. Um, and um, so it's maybe a knee-jerk reaction in, in one way or another. But I like the the topic that you brought up, David, which is much more tricky and much more dangerous when you compare art critics changing their opinion to politicians changing their opinion. Because there's plenty of politics to go around in the art world. And I've certainly seen plenty of opinions changed, probably because mm. of the politics of the in, inside the art world are, you know, pushing in one direction or another, and people's either come around or step away, and that, you know, that's uh, another topic as delicate as the business side or the money side of of the business in terms of how opinions get shifted mm. and shaped mm. around. And and I mean one thing which I I'm uh, we, we should be. Uh, disclosing and in, 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 in honest in this program, but I mean, it's not that many years ago the heads of uh, Tate Modern in, in London said uh, that Damien Hirst will never have an exhibition at this museum. <laughs> and I just read in the New York Times that that was actually uh, uh, the most visited exhibition at Tate Modern ever. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like 6.2 million people, uh, not very far behind the, the British Museum. And of course, uh, a decision like that is is uh, is both made on artistic qualities, but it's also made on some of the aspects which you bring up now, which has to do with uh, the politics and the politics yeah. of, of, of the art world. Yeah. 
And how long, I'm, I'm not going to talk about that particular example of Damien, but once you set an opinion out like that, um, they'll never have an exhibition. How long, and you're, well, in a position <laughs> like somebody who's the head of the tape, uh, well, Sir Nick, how long are you going to protect that opinion mm. when it's clear mm. you were just dead wrong and um, mm. you know things have to be readjusted? I think the lesson learned is don't ever make a categorical statement like that. You may not care for the work, but don't say never going to have. And never use the use never because yeah. then you know it's going to come true. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and come back at you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's 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 so in in one way uh, what we are talking about is of course the 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 reality that the critics can change their opinion. Uh, no. But also, of course, uh, a museum director or or or, or a curator. Yep. Or an artist, or an artist. Yeah, uh, I remember uh, in the in the late years of uh, Willem de Kooning, and uh, when he made the, the paintings, which <clears throat> clearly he was he was not feeling well in those days, and he had a, 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 the beginning, or he was in the midst of of, an, of Alzheimer's. Um, when his his paintings kind of surfaced on the market, the kind of whitish one with only mm. small dabs of, of mm. color and so on, how people really thought it was uh, horrific paintings. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And his sculptures at that time, which he hadn't done very many, uh, they thought also was absolutely awful. And today uh, there's a totally writing about those paintings and they, and not from any kind of pathological approach or, or, or medical approach, they just, people just think that they are... Artistic, they, yeah. Exactly, mm. that they are magnificent. Paintings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I first saw those paintings, I thought they were magnificent because they literally recorded the emptying out of a mind. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, but then it's that art. And um, if I and I make the comparison to the Printhorn collection in Germany where they have collected for years and years art by the mentally insane. And there's one woman in particular, Maria Lieb, who every night got stretches of bandages and made these very decorative patterns on her floor. And then they were swept away in the morning by the staff. And then mm-hmm. the next evening she did the same thing. And th- when you see those photographs by Maria, of Maria Lieb's activities, the question is, is that an expression of her illness mm-hmm. or is that art? Because she never thought it was art. Yeah. She she was in the institution her entire life. They yeah. weren't made for an audience. They yeah. were made for herself. But and who took the photographs? The people running the print on the So that, yeah, so that's the, that's the act of yeah. becoming art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because the experts say, yeah. it, say it is. Or, but yeah. so then I worried that, well, yeah, I think those de Kooning paintings are magnificent, but in fact, they're the expressions of a certain medical condition and maybe not artistically valuable in, in that sense. But I, I, mm-hmm. I have no, it's, 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 it's a... It's a valid point, but of mm. course, it, it it raises the question regarding uh, what what is sometimes called art bru, mm. yeah. uh, you know, yeah. the, the 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 art produced by by mentally uh, uh, estranged mm. people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, I I agree with you. I mean, it's 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 an interesting thing. At the same time, uh, by rounding 
of this 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 topic uh, one of the the most magnificent uh, artists which we all agree upon uh, Pablo Picasso mm-hmm. uh, they they the last five years of his production um, of his painting when he died in 1972 uh, was when they were showed uh, considered absolutely terrible paintings mm. uh, and there was no kind of uh, disease as we know it was just old age <laughs> a man a man getting getting old but at the same time now when you read uh, uh, distinguished critics and and people you realize that he was basically intr- introducing the world to a kind of painting which is so uh, Um, out there right now yeah, yeah. and Completely. has been for the last 30-40 years. Yeah. Yeah. But I think also you had a very valid point with the commitment to the oeuvre instead of a piece of work to look at a, an artist's production from the whole production and then also be forgiving and understanding that certain parts that might you might think, oh I hate this but in the, in the bigger picture, in the bigger scheme they all kind of fit into it anyway. I, I totally to agree to that. I mean, I, you cannot go to the plate playing baseball and hit a home run every time. And so you see an artist sort of come in and out of frequency, and, and especially if they're making transition. So one one exhibition you see, and it's an extraordinary body of work, and the ne- very next exhibition you're saying, you know, their talent is totally revealed in this work, I mean, because it's mm. sort of emptied out or in their transition period. And and so, yeah, I think you have to take the mm. take it on whole. Um, and maybe this is what we demand from politicians too. Yeah, like this yeah, kind yeah, of commitment yeah, that it's not like just a yep. now they have an opinion about work or something, but it's commitment. Yeah. There was someone that told me a couple of days ago uh, a statement made by a politician, which I think is kind of interesting. It's like, uh, I know what to do. I just don't know how to be re-elected. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I said that, but I think it's pretty good. It says it's, it all. Yeah, it uh, and maybe that applies to the critic and the museum person also. And the artist, I think. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. say re-elected is getting another show. Yeah. 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 I know what to do, but I don't know how to... Very good. Uh, question number two. Disaster photography. When is documentary exploitation? And uh, I wanted to add someone in the studio here. And it's uh, very likely a friend of all of us. His name is Niklas Östlind. And he is on the other coast of Sweden, on the west coast. <laughs> Niklas? Yes, I am. Very good. And he is <laughs> in the second largest town in Sweden, uh, Gothenburg. And um, Niklas is a scholar and he's a researcher and a teacher and has uh, dedicated most of his adult life to uh, the photography and the the field of photography. My question really has to do with uh, photographers who produce spectacular images of Detroit, Chernobyl and other ravaged areas have sparked disagreements, whether they are exploiting others' misfortune or just covering the bad news. And this is both in terms of journalistic photography, but also in terms of art photography. And some of the people that are mentioned in in this art news article are uh, artists like uh, Diana Thater and and so mm. forth mm. so um some sp- spontaneous reaction to this uh, Niklas I think maybe the question is uh, should be a little bit differently phrased it's i think it's probably that all this kind of photography is always exploiting someone You can't, in a way, get away from that. 
Uh, at the same time, it can also be very, you know, good intentions. It could be used and work, you know, in a lot of benefit ways. But when it comes to photography, with this indexical relation to reality and how it's used, someone will always be um, taken in advantage of. Hmm. Unfortunately, I, I know it's a it's one of the difficulties with photography, which also makes it very interesting and complicated. I, I think this is a paradoxical position I've thought about quite a bit. There are two photographs that I always use as an example. Hmm. One is of the photograph of the African baby being stalked by the vulture. Mm. Um, you might remember who that photographer was, but he, he was a news photographer. Mm. Um, and one wonders... Uh, Two, three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One wonders whether you run out and try to scare the vulture off or get your f- photograph first. Um, uh, and the other one, of course, is of the young Vietnamese children running down the road having just been napalmed. Mm. Oh, yeah. And whether you help them first or... Um, in any event, uh, and then there are degrees of that. There are the Frank Moore photographs of the race riots in Berlin, I mean, uh, B- Birmingham, Alabama, where uh, uh, protesters are having their pants ripped off by German shepherds and photographers are clicking away. So, on the one hand, I wonder, yeah, do you run out and scare off the vulture? On the other hand, if it's your judgment that you can't scare off the vulture. The photograph has enormous impact mm. uh, in, in giving that child a voice that they wouldn't have yeah. otherwise had. Mm. Um, and so uh, I, I, don't, I don't have an answer for this, but, and I wrestle with this uh, all the time, it's because the f- photographs are only becoming more spectacular and mm. more uh, extraordinary. Mm. But, but this is a little bit what they call, I mean, there's an expression which I think was was created by uh, someone called James Griffin in, in 2008, which is called it uh, uh, ruin uh, porn. I mean, basically, <clears throat> that it has the same same kind of um, same kind of tools as 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 a pornography, and then you have the the, the war pornography, and you have all this kind of disaster. Mm. Uh, mm. You have the uh, after the hurricane mm. Katharina, you have that. You have the 9/11 phenomena yeah. and all of those things. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, you being uh, historically knowledgeable, you have also these uh, wonderful, uh, magnificent photo, uh, photos by Walker Evans uh, during mm. the Great Famine in, in, in the U.S. in the 30s. The question is just, is, is, this, um, is it packaged too, too, too magnificent? Is it... Mm. Um, But I think it's kind of an, an honest dilemma. It's 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 both ways. It, I mean, photographs of this kind, of course, they have a, often a very aesthetical, alluring surface and are extremely beautiful. And I think also one has historically they have you know you have to go before photography. I mean, the ruins are Rome. It's you know it's the grandeur of something that has been there and now it's decayed. And of course, it's you know it's, it's triggers your fantasies mm. that is it's both something that has aesthetic qualities which has a content that you can meditate on on an existential level and uh, at the same time it's it can be photographed of a disaster that has killed a lot of people and made people homeless it's 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 it is a difficult genre um, i would say mm. especially when it comes to photography because you have this 
other kind of relation to reality than you have in other kind of, like in painting. Yeah, it seems to be like two levels also. One level is what you talked about, Ron, when the photographer is in the site and it's a choice of um, p- pushing the trigger of the camera or helping someone. That's like one moral dilemma. But then it's also, of course, the using of the imagery that doesn't necessarily have to have been you have, doesn't necessarily have to have been there i guess you can also use um twin tower explosions or use this kind of imagery in your work and perhaps that is also like a moral dilemma but don't you also think that it could be i think part of this uh, discussion or this debate started with with the photography made in detroit i mean and detroit is is mm. somewhat the, the epicenter historically of of uh, us kind of uh, Uh, expansiveness, decay. yeah, but the decay, but also historically, I mean, it yeah, was yeah, with the whole yeah. car industry and everything yeah, like yeah. that. And now, as, as as I read in this article, now you have people uh, flying in for a day or two uh, with a fifty thousand dollar camera equipment and photographing houses that are worth a fraction of of the equipment, and then kind of flying out again mm-hmm. and then printing mm-hmm. it in these. Uh, uh, so, so I wonder if it's if it's if it's just when it hits home somehow uh, that it starts this kind of uh, debate Mm -hmm. i think in that case i think the particular site is is a a crucial thing because it it reflects something that recently had a very strong uh, role in in american society and now you can literally see it's vanishing so it's not room Many hundred years ago, uh, it's something that is in our own lifetime, uh, which makes I think it's even more kind of attractive from that point of view. And but the critique yes, maybe when something is coming closer to your your own environment, and you, I think this question becomes more alert. If it's something remote away in another, you know, like in Africa, it, it doesn't mm. be. Yeah. You know, those controversies are not not as uh, pressing. Mm-hmm. This this is not photography, but I, I just want to use this as an example that had a huge impression on me. Roger Moore's film about Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one scene in there where there is a woman with a, a, a wooden block and an axe and 12 or 15 bunnies and the sign at the road says pet pets or meat mm-hmm. and it had yeah. gotten that bad <clears throat> um and th- you know I, i i i don't see that as exploitive at all i think that that's unveiling something that nobody else would possibly have ever seen unless you're living in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and it gives you a degree or a measure of just how bad things were mm-hmm. or are. Mm-hmm. yeah i think you know susan sontag i've written a lot about on this issue and uh she's she actually also uh put the moral um, decisions and uh, on on the one who's used these mm, kind of exactly. images. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one who takes them, but how are we as uh, beholders or, or, or spectators? And she argues that maybe these images should only be allowed to be watched by people that actually can do anything about the situation. Otherwise, if you just become kind of spectators or, you know, mm. 
our you know desire to see things like this it's it's unmoral but if we can act and do something about it it's okay Niklas, yes. uh, I would love to have you, you. Would you maybe stay online because we have we are three people with three questions, and now we yeah. might be four people with three questions. <laughs> <laughs> but but rules are made to 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 be right. broken, right? Okay. And and uh, because this is also about images, and and mm. and and I have a question, and our producers they want me to have very clear questions. This is not a clear question, but we know that two days ago we we elected. A pope, or we, I say, I yeah. wasn't there. <laughs> I'm sure you we were. We as humanity. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, I have very little to do with it. Probably cast the deciding no, vote. No. But what I was talking, what I was thinking about is, and this is where Bella comes in, which has to do with the fabric and the red. Mm. And and I spoke with a friend of Ron, and we are going to talk about his red slippers. Yeah. But, but but you know what I mean. Yeah. And then this whole procedure is taking place in in one of these magnificent rooms uh, created by Michelangelo and the black smoke and the yeah, white the smoke, smoke and the yeah and, all and of also that. the light the Im- <laughs> talking about images that you just want to click and click and click when the when the last pope resigned and then there was this lighting image did you see it that hit the Vatican yeah, yeah. the same day and this was yeah, I mean this was like, like a lighting yeah like yeah. a lighting that it wasn't staged though but no no no, 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 no it wasn't staged but it was like Niklas is a little closer to God because yeah. he's in Gothenburg yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but <laughs> sorry about the that backside but yeah. of course all this because um, it's strange the way we are the media is writing so much about this Pope and of course it has to do with all these symbols and how delightful it is to just ravage like all this like the smoke and the like it's some kind of historic drama going on hmm. and really hmm. it's kind of he's against uh, same sex marriages um, oh, that's the, blah blah, that's... blah 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 you know all this is same same but um, <laughs> I'm thinking also that the Vatican is part of so much fiction I'm thinking yeah. of like the Borgias with uh, with Irons, Jeremy yep. Irons yep. playing this evil Pope and yep. the Da Vinci Code and yeah. all this kind of uh, fiction that goes on well, that the involves the, real. yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, um, <laughs> but maybe all this also if, is fueling this uh, forensic evidence yeah. of that this is true or that there yeah. is uh, totally kind of agree. link to history in there where there's a little bit of mystery. I mean, like. Secret societies at a university, skull and bones at Yale, you know, mm-hmm. you know just enough mm. to be tempted to, but you know you'll never get farther than that. And the same yeah, thing with the Vatican. Yeah, yeah. I think the fiction yeah. part is really important. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the, this third part of the Godfather series? No, yeah. what? He, uh, he uh, Corleone family starts to negotiate with the Vatican Bank, the Immobiliare Bank. Oh, yeah. And he says to his uh, to, to his family that we have strived to get from the ghetto and leaving the casinos behind, but the higher I come, the dirtier it gets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's uh, um, a great uh, ending on, on on this topic. And and while we were discussing it, I was trying to find kind of the, the the art angle and of course I know they have a contemporary or they have a museum in the Vatican and they exhibit it once mm. in a while but I just I, I, I just have to say that I was so 
stricken by by the scenography, mm. uh, which I think has to do a little bit. But this is the first time I see it in. HD in high definition yeah. and 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 all these this red colors and and the whole the whole set and I think it would have been far from as effective if it wasn't staged in this extraordinarily kind of artistic uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. setting mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. It's one, one should also have in mind that they have had time to rehearse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of hundred years. Does, mm-hmm. does he get a new Popemobile? Is he going to use the old no, Popemobile? No, no, that was what's so brilliant. But now we're going to another topic. <laughs> But the fact that when he left uh, the Vatican yesterday to pick up Did his it? luggage where he had been staying, he was riding in a Volkswagen. And that just oh. gives a very true sign that uh, with his chosen name, yeah. Uh, yeah. Franciscus, and the fact Franciscus is a sign for 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 poverty, yeah. Yeah. And, and and that he will maybe not travel in the in the Pope mobile, mm. which is a wonderful uh, expression of contemporary design, <laughs> yeah. which frees that up, I guess, to buy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very Watch good. eBay. <laughs> And Niklas, thank mm. you very much for thank for you. your your comments, and uh, we hope to see you and listen to you in the near future. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Bye. Niklas. Bye. And um, I guess, guys, this was the third uh, question, and uh, we'll see each other in in a couple of weeks. Looking forward. Yep. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.